I know it's easier to say happy fourth, but there's something about saying the words Independence Day that remind us that the fourth is something every nation, you know, every nation's got a fourth of July, but not every nation has the meaning applied to the fourth of July. There's a meaning behind the day, and it's honoring our independence. Today we're talking about freedom. If you haven't uh, caught that theme in worship, you haven't been paying attention. Uh, God, uh, there's a connection with the story of God and the story of us. And it doesn't have anything to do with political freedom or national freedom. But as we think about Independence Day, you celebrate that today with your families, uh, we can draw a, a lesson from that. We can be pointed in a direction of a divine story, and that's what we're going to talk about today. As Mark said, 245 years ago, 56 men signed their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honors to a pledge that we call the Declaration of Independence, declaring their independence from Britain. And from then on out, we didn't have to pay attention to royal weddings. If you got that. But on a serious note, that pledge was not something that they took lightly, and neither should we. It was a serious and costly decision, don't you know, as that declaration was read across the sea. And they looked at the names of the men who signed so boldly to rebel from the king and from his transgressions. But in doing so, they entrust their lives into God's hands. In fact, there's a line that reads, I love it, says, and for the support of this declaration, okay, we're going out on our own, Where do we? how are we going to be successful in this endeavor, in other words, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. You see, as they put pen to paper... They did not take that declaration lightly. They knew that freedom was a serious matter. And so today, as you celebrate, whether it's with food or family or fireworks, uh, may you understand that freedom matters. It was for that reason that those men pledged their lives. And in later generation would risk their lives and spill their blood. in defense of an idea, in defense of the idea that God wants us free. Now, we celebrate Independence Day, of course, but the idea of freedom and the desire of men to be free is not just an American idea. Charles mentioned uh, William Wallace. This scene is why William Wallace is a Scottish hero. It would have had more meaning if uh, Robin and Chrissy Vick had been here this morning. They were unable to be here as we intended. Their flight was canceled. Uh, They will be here, I assure you. Um, But as they head back to the States, Northside is endeavoring to continue to support them and encourage them and pray for them as they acclimate back to life here in the States, and actually you'll be hearing from Brother Robin here in this pulpit two weeks from today, so make plans to be here for that. Freedom, the desire to be free, is something that's hardwired into all men. 
the desire to be free. And that, that came from somewhere. And so we're going to look at that this morning. The truth is that God wants you to be free. God wants you to be free. If we look at uh, the story of humanity, it's the story of God giving men freedom, and for some one reason or another, human beings clawing their way back into slavery. We'll look at a couple of examples, but I want you to understand that, that this freedom we're talking about is not just political freedom, it's freedom in the truest sense. God wants us to be spiritually free. You turn to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2, the opening account, the story of creation, God forming Adam and Eve, and he sets them in a perfect Garden. The only time there has ever been or will ever be utopia on earth was when God made it. It was here in the Garden of Eden. And as that garden is so described, it was beautiful, there was everything that was needed in the midst of it. The tree of life was right there in the midst of the garden, as also was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. This, this was a perfect place. Everything that, that man would ever need was there. And chief among those was man's relationship to his creator. And so there in the garden, even there, God desired man to be free. Now catch this if you haven't. Genesis chapter 2, it's actually on page 2 in the Pew Bible. If you don't have a Bible, just open it and turn there. Verses 15 through 17 reads as follows. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden to work it and keep it. And the Lord commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden. Another translation says, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden. But you must not eat the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. You see, even in the beginning... God gave Adam and Eve this beautiful garden and there was the buffet of all of the trees and all of the animals and all of the things that they could partake of. And it was there for them. And God said, you may partake, you are free to eat from any tree. I don't care if it's apple, oranges, peaches, bananas, or or whatever the tree might have been. You're free to partake of any tree because God wanted them to be free. You say, hold on a second. I thought God gave them freedom. But he says right there, but you must not eat from the free of the of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil for when you eat from it you will surely die that doesn't sound like freedom to me that sounds very restrictive how could god do that if we're truly free why would god restrict us from having one tree that we could not eat of why do that to us well that's our sinful fleshly human nature god's given us everything but then he's placed a limit he said you you may not have that Now, you need to understand there's a reason for God's limitations. God's limits actually give us liberation. God's limits actually give us the most liberation. We could be as free as we could imagine, more free than we can imagine now, even today, if we had listened to God's limitations. Because He knew that we're taking the tree of the knowledge of good and evil 
would be a burden and not a blessing. Let me give you a silly human example. I talked to you before about my dog, Charlie. If any of you would like a dog, come see me afterwards. My dog, Charlie, is a very small dog. And he would make a good snack for some of your dogs, okay? He's free. He can pretty much go wherever he likes, but he has some limitations. Because he's a small dog, because he would be you know, a, a snack for any sort of predator, we place some limitations on him. He's limited within the confines of the house, and this picture shows he's limited within the confines of our fence. But it's within those boundaries where he is most free. We could take down the fence. We could let him run freely. We could not take a, put him on a leash when we take him for a walk. And he'd be at the most danger. Do you understand what I'm saying? That God's, God's limitations, to a much higher degree than a silly dog, God's limitations are there to set us free. If we'll listen and observe the limitations, we'll be as free as we can. You are most free within God's boundaries. And so, in the story of the Bible, he set up the boundaries, if you will. These are the boundaries. And if you'll live within these boundaries, you'll be free. And you'll know what true freedom looks like from God's perspective. Here's the problem. The fundamental eternal problem is that you and I have a nature which is antithetical to limits. We don't, we don't like limits. Anytime limits are put around us, we sort of buck those a little bit. We, we don't like limitations to our freedom. We need to understand that God's limitations are blessings and not burdens. Now, like I said, the, the problem on a grand scale is that at every point, some of us in here have gone outside of the limits. We've, we've gone outside the fence. We've gone off the leash. Okay? It, I've done that. You've done that. The person sitting next to you, to the left and to the right, has done that. We've all transgressed God's limits. Isaiah, the prophet, put it like this. If you're following along, Isaiah chapter 53 Isaiah chapter 53, page 788 in the Bible. Isaiah 53 is a prophecy about a coming Savior. Now that's good, but why do we need a Savior? Well, the reason is because we have sin. And, and the prophet Isaiah describes it like this. This is Isaiah 53, verse 6. He gives this visual. He says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Now that first part of, of verse 6 tells us the problem. The fundamental problem is this. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. Have you turned away from God? Yeah, I have. Have you, have you gone outside God's limits? Yeah, I have. Okay, all, the, the problem with limits is that human beings tend to break the limits. You might, you might hear this 
said at some point in your life that rules are made to be broken, right? Rules are made to be broken. There's, a, there's, a, there's something within the human heart that's evil and wicked and self-centered and doesn't desire to be limited. So that gives us problems. See, you and I, we're like sheep that have turned away, everyone, each to his own way. And that's a problem because that's sin. And a holy God cannot have sin in his presence. And so, what did God do about that? Well, it's the second half of verse 6 of Isaiah 53. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. The problem is our sin. The, The solution is God sent a Savior. We all are like straying sheep. And so the prophet Isaiah says, we all need the Lamb of God. We all are like straying sheep, and so we all need the Lamb of God. The problem, you see, points us to our only solution. And that is that only Jesus, only Jesus, can truly set you free. I know it's tempting to want to think that you can free yourself. I know it's tempting to want to think that you can dig yourself out of the hole that you've dug yourself into. I know it's tempting to think that you can fix the mess that you've created. But when it comes to sin, you are in a mess you cannot fix. You and I are wicked and corrupt and sinful And that puts us into slavery, into bondage. And that puts us in need of a Savior. You see, God wants us free, but the problem is we can't free ourselves. God had to free us, and He did that through His Son. Turn to John chapter 8. John chapter 8 is a whole section on freedom. John chapter 8, page 1148. So Jesus said to the Jews, you who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, finish it for me, and the truth will. And they answered him, then this is interesting, they answered him, we are offspring of Abraham, and have never been enslaved to anyone. We're a forgetful bunch, aren't we? We've, I, I think they forgot this span of history where they were enslaved in, 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 in Egypt. And God got them out of that. It took a long time. But they forgot their slavery. It's easy to, to forget the chains that you get used to. It's easy to forget the chains that are comfortable, unfamiliar. And sin is that way. It gets comfortable. It gets familiar. And we, you forget that you're enslaved. How is it, you say, you will become free, they ask. And Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever, but the son remains forever. So if, if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. If the Son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. 
our national freedom came by declaring independence from a foreign king. Our spiritual freedom comes from our dependence on the king of kings. Jesus says there's only one way to true freedom, and it's not from you, and it's not from the law. No, (laughs) it's only through the Son. Our spiritual freedom comes by only by declaring our dependence on the King of Kings. See, a spiritual problem is that you and I have, like I said, you and I have dug ourselves into this hole. Uh, I've got a video I want to show because I think it illustrates the problem that you and I have when we talk about our freedom. We want to be free, but we're stuck. We can't free ourselves. Let's bring down the lights, please. A man fell in the hole. He fell in the hole and he couldn't get out. A traveler passed by. He told the man to meditate, to purify his mind, and when he reached Nirvana, all suffering would cease. The man did as he was told, but he remained in the hole. Another man appeared. He explained that the hole didn't exist, and neither, in fact, did the man. It was all an illusion. The man who did not exist was still stuck in the hole that was not there. Another visitor arrived. He instructed the man to perform good deeds to improve his karma, and though he would still die in the hole, he might be reincarnated as something magnificent. Another man looked down from above. He taught the man to pray five times a day facing east and to follow five important tenets. If he was faithful, one day, perhaps, the divine would set him free. The man prayed as best he could, but he was losing strength, and in the hole he remained. something different about him. He called down to the man in the hole and asked him if he wanted to be free. This man lowered himself into the earth, into the pit. He took hold of the man. himself out was saved. A powerful illustration to remind us that God wants us to be free, but the problem is that you and I cannot set ourselves free. Only Jesus can set us free 
in the truest sense. He is the only way to freedom, true freedom. I'm not talking about political freedom, national freedom, all those things are good. I'm talking about spiritual freedom. If you want to be set free, you have to take hold of the Son who can set you free and make you free indeed. Now, once free, once having obeyed Christ, once having expressed faith in Him and put Him on in baptism, He lifts you out of your sin and yourself. Then what? The question is, then what? You're free, but to what? You know, sometimes we think about coming to Christ and how He frees me from sin and He saves me from hell. He frees you from something, certainly, but He also frees you to something, most assuredly. So... So may we, may we not just be freed from something, may we be freed to something. And Romans chapter 6 gives us some insight, if you're following along. Romans chapter 6, verse 15 and following. What then, this is page 1209, what then, are we to sin because we are not under law but under grace? See, if you've been coming to Bible class on Sunday mornings, you've been studying about freedom in Christ and, and how Christ came to set you free from the law, what the, doing what the law could not do. So does that mean we're just free to, to sin as much as we want? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are the slaves to, of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death and of obedience which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you, who were once slaves of sin, have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. So you're set free from sin, but you're, you're bound to Christ. You're a servant of His. And you are freed from your sin, but you're also freed to serve the Savior. And so, a good question would be, how will you use your freedom in Christ? Having been set free, how will you use your freedom? Galatians chapter 5, our class was studying this morning. Will you use it to indulge the flesh? Will you use it to indulge yourself? Or will you use it to serve in the way that Christ has called you to serve? You aren't just freed from something. You're freed for something. You're freed for service unto Christ. How will you use your freedom in Christ? Well, the last, last part of that, of course, is always is in your hands. Galatians chapter 5.13. You were called to freedom, brothers. You were called to freedom. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. You are free. The question is, how will you use your freedom? Will you use it on yourself or will you use it to serve others? One additional scripture from 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 16 and following. 1 Peter 2, 16 and following. Page 1296. Peter writes... Live as people who are free, 
Not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. That's a, if you end a sermon, you've got to give some action points. And those are some pretty good action points right there. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. May we use our freedom in a way that honors God for what he set us free from. God wants you to be free. My question is, do you want to be free? Only Christ can set you free. My question is, are you free? Have you been washed in the blood of the Lamb? Have you obeyed Christ by believing in Him and and being immersed for the forgiveness of your sins? See, only Christ can do that. And baptism is not how you're saved, it's just when you're saved. And if you're not in Christ, well, you've missed the only the only way that you can be set free. But you, the opportunity is not lost. You can respond this morning. And you can be in Christ. And you can be freed from your sin. And if you're free from your sin, then what? Well, the call is from Scripture not to sin, not to use your freedom for yourself, but rather to serve one another in love. I hope you'll do that. I hope you are doing that. If you need help with that and you'd like our elders to pray with you and for you, you need strength, you need wisdom on how to do that, I'd be glad to help you. This morning, if you'd like to respond to the invitation, we extend it to you now. We'll have some of our shepherds at the back. During this next song, you can go to the back, find one of our shepherds, and they will help you with whatever need you might have, either to put on Christ, to be freed from sin, or to find better ways to be freed from yourself so that you might serve one another in love. Whatever your need might be this morning, won't you respond? As together we stand and sing.